Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, returning for the new year to frighten you with more spooky, scary tales of the supernatural, urban legends, and myths. Welcome back. Before we get started with this episode's stories, be sure to check out my website, myhaunteddolls.com. I have a new book out called My Haunted Collection, The Dark Side, which tells the stories behind some of the dolls and items in my collection that have a darker history and terrifying tales attached with them. For example... A rocking horse doll that was pulled from the wreckage of a murder house. A jack-in-the-box clown that loves to scratch. And a doll who gets angry and gives violent nightmares to anyone who dares to touch his doll. So be sure to check that out. My Haunted Collection, The Dark Side. Get your autographed copy at myhaunteddolls.com. Along with any of my other books, I have 13 books available. And also be sure to follow the link on the link page of that website to my YouTube channel where you can see all kinds of evidence I've captured and hear some of the stories behind my haunted items. Be sure to check that out as well. Thank you so much for your viewership and your listening to my show. And now we shall get on with the first story. This one comes from the south here. Not far from me in the state of Tennessee, a nice creepy legend called The Farmer Who Vanished. In the late 1880s, there appeared in the Cincinnati Enquirer a news story of the disappearance, vanishing would be more accurately descriptive, of David Lang from his home near Gallatin, Tennessee. The story created a sensation at the time, and nowhere was it read with more interest than at Gallatin. Folks there declared it never happened. But the reputation of the Inquirer is so fine, the story it printed was so plausible, so complete with details, and so convincing, that even today... Many people believe that David Lang did live in Gallatin and that he disappeared. According to the story in the Inquirer and other accounts published through the years, this is what happened. One warm afternoon in late September, September 23rd is the generally accepted date of 1880, Mrs. David Lang was sitting in her front porch, watching her two children play in the yard. Sarah, who was about ten, was making a playhouse around the roots of a big oak tree. She had carpeted her rooms of the playhouse with clumps of green moss, and she was constructing furniture from acorn cups, twigs, and bark. Her younger brother George was building pens 
to hold the wooden cows and pigs his father had carved for him. The children's play amused her briefly, but Mrs. Lang was impatient for her husband to finish his farm chores and take her to town. We'll never get there before the stores close, she complained to nobody in particular. She needed to buy material for a Sunday dress for Sarah. The child was wearing her old Sunday dress to school, after all. And they needed a shirt for George, and both children needed shoes. Mrs. Lang rose from her chair and walked to the edge of the porch. She was about to call Mr. Lang, although she knew it would make him angry. When he appeared around the corner of the house... I'm coming, he informed Mrs. Lang. I just want to walk down to see about the horses. It won't take long. He took his watch out of the bib of his overalls and looked at it. We'll get to town in plenty of time, he assured his impatient wife. Lang opened the gate and started across the pasture. The pasture stretched in a gentle slope away from the house. It was a clean, open grassland without trees or bushes. The farmer had gone only a short distance when a buggy turned in at the road leading up to his house. In the buggy were two businessmen from Gallatin, longtime friends of the family, who had come out to discuss a proposed land sale with Lang. One of the visitors saw Lang starting across the pasture, and he stood up in the buggy to call to him. David, wait, wait, he shouted. Mrs. Lang and the children watched as David Lang turned to wave and acknowledged the greeting of his friend. Then David Lang disappeared. One minute he was standing in his own familiar pasture, waving at a friend. The next minute, he had disappeared, vanished completely and forever. Mrs. Lang ran screaming from the porch out to the pasture. The children threw down their playthings and followed her. The two visitors jumped from their buggy, climbed the fence, and dashed to the spot where they had last seen Lang. There was absolutely no sign of him. The grass, short and dry in the early fall, was crushed down at the spot where David had turned to wave at his friends. And that patch of trampled grass was the only evidence that anyone had been in the pasture. As the startled, almost hysterical people watched, the grass slowly righted itself and stood stiff and tall. Now, nothing remained to indicate that, moments before, a man had stood on the spot. His family and friends began a frantic search for David Lang, but there was nowhere to look. There was no shrubbery or bushes, not even a clump of weeds that could hide a man in the pasture. There were no wells or sinkholes or crevices in the earth. 
Mistress Lang dropped to her knees and began digging frantically into the earth where she had last seen her husband. The hard ground tore her fingers and blood mingled with her tears to mark the fateful spot. The visitors finally led her gently back to the house where one of them sat with her and the day's children while the other one went to fetch help from neighbors. Neighbors came, many of them, but though they searched every foot of the Lang's farm and of the adjoining farms as well, they found no trace of the missing man. A well digger brought his rig and began excavating at the spot where Lang disappeared, but he soon struck limestone and had to abandon the effort. Bloodhounds were brought out by the county sheriff. The dogs lost the trail in the open pasture, right where Lang had disappeared. When they reached that spot, they tucked their tails and whined so pitifully that the sheriff ordered them put into the wagon and taken back to town. Although the search continued for days, not one clue as to Lang's whereabouts was ever found. At night, every night for two weeks, Mrs. Lang and neighbors at her house, friends arranged to stay with the poor woman 24 hours a day because she was in no condition to be left alone. They all heard David Lang call for help. Help me, please, somebody, help me. They heard Lang begging into the night. The cry seemed to come from the place where Lang disappeared. But though his family and friends, who did earnestly want to help him, listened hard and looked harder, they never found the source of the cries. Help me! Each night the voice became weaker and more faint until it ceased to be heard entirely. After several nights passed without Lang's voice being heard, Mrs. Lang agreed to have funeral services for her departed she hesitated to use the word deceased, not being certain that he was, but her departed husband. It did not seem proper, somehow, to have a man's funeral while his voice was still audible. The next spring, when the grass in the pasture came up fresh and green, nature marked the spot of David Lang's mysterious disappearance with a perfect circle of stunted brown grass some 15 feet in diameter. Years afterwards, Ambrose Bierce, the American journalist author who later disappeared, as completely and almost as mysteriously as did David Lang, wrote about the Tennessean who vanished. He believed the story, and though reputable citizens of Gallatin have denied its truth for years, so do a lot of other people believe in the farmer who vanished.
That was a nice, creepy legend. I've heard other variations of that story, and heard it told where it's someone's brother who vanished and their cries were heard. But it makes one wonder, was that really a true incident that happened that spawned those urban legends? You never know when an urban legend might actually have come from a real happening. For our next story, we hear another tale that may or may not have spawned from an urban legend or actual event. Nice, creepy, spooky tale known as The Baby Cradle. It was a dark night, and there was a raging storm along the coast. A fierce wind blew in from the sea, and the waves crashed violently against the rocky shoreline. Many of the ships at sea that night were in trouble, struggling to stay afloat. They had been caught in the storm, and some of them were never heard from again. The wind rattled the doors and the windows of the small houses on the cliffs that overlooked the churning ocean. In one warm little cottage, a young man was cooking the dinner. A young woman, rather, was cooking the dinner when she suddenly turned and called out to her husband. Did you hear that? she asked. What? said her husband, tapping his pipe against the table. I thought I heard a baby crying out there, she said. It's just the wind howling, he replied. Or maybe it's a seal. Sometimes the frightened cry of a seal sometimes sounds like a baby. No, I I know a baby when I hear it, said the woman. The husband shook his head. How could it be, he said. What would a baby be doing out on a night like this? Neither of them ventured out into the storm to look. The next morning, the couple were walking along the beach when they saw some items that had washed ashore. They must have come from a ship that sank during the storm. The husband spotted a cradle among the debris. He picked it up and carried it back to their home. The storm had battered it about a little, but it was sturdy and undamaged. In the years that followed, the woman gave birth to a number of babies, and each of them slept in the cradle. But there was one strange thing about it. Every time there was a storm, the cradle would rock by itself. As the wind roared outside, the baby would rock back and forth, the cradle rocking back and forth as if someone were sitting next to it, gently rocking a baby to sleep. One day, the wife's sister came to visit and the family gathered at the kitchen table for dinner. While they were eating, the sister happened to glance into the living room. Who's that woman rocking the cradle? 
she asked in surprise. The father and mother looked at each other and said, What woman? There's no woman. The cradle rocks by itself. There is a woman there, said the sister. She has long, dark hair. Her face is pale, and she looks very sad. She's just sitting there next to the cradle, rocking her baby. Alarmed, the wife jumped up from the table and quickly ran over to the cradle. She picked up her baby and held it in her trembling arms. That very night, the husband took the cradle outside and chopped it to pieces with an axe. He collected all of the bits of wood and threw them in the fireplace, lit a match, and, as the flames took hold and the pieces of the cradle began to burn, they could hear the chilling sound of a baby screaming. But... After the fire died out, and all of the pieces of the cradle had turned to ash, they never heard the cries again. That was a nice creepy tale as well. Looks like we have time for one more story before I let you go. One more creepy tale of terror. This one is called The Peephole. A 15 year old girl named Donna lived with her father in a small house in the suburbs. Ever since her mother died, Donna had depended on her father for everything. They had a wonderful relationship and loved each other very much. One morning, Donna's father was leaving on a business trip. As they ate breakfast together, he told her that he would be home very late that night. With that, he kissed her on the forehead, grabbed his briefcase, and walked out the front door. Later that day, when Donna came home from school, she did some homework and watched some TV. By midnight, her father had still not returned, so she decided to go to bed. That night, she had a dream. She found herself standing at the edge of a busy highway. Cars and trucks whizzed by at an alarming rate. She looked across the highway and saw a familiar figure standing on the other side. It was her father. His hands were cupped around his mouth, and he seemed to be shouting something to her, but she could not make out what he was saying. As the traffic whizzed by, she strained to hear. Her father's eyes were sad. He seemed to be desperately trying to communicate something to her. She could barely make out the words, Don't open door. Suddenly, Donna was awoken from the dream by a strange tapping sound. 
tap, tap, tap. Then somebody began to ring the doorbell downstairs. Ring, ring, ring. She scrambled out of bed and put on her slippers. Then, dressed only in her nightgown, she ran downstairs and went to the front door. Looking through the peephole, she saw her father's face outside. He was staring right at her. The doorbell kept ringing insistently. Okay, hold on, I'm, I'm coming, she shouted. She pulled back the deadbolt and was about to unlatch the door when she stopped. She looked through the peephole at her father again. Something about his expression did not look quite right. His eyes were wide open, and he looked terrified. She slid the deadbolt back into place. Dad, she yelled through the door, did you forget your keys? Ring, ring, ring. Dad, answer me. Ring, ring, ring. Dad, please, I need you to answer me. Ring, ring, ring. Is there someone else out there with you? Ring, ring, ring. Why won't you answer me? Ring, 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 ring. I'm not opening the door until you say something. The doorbell kept ringing and ringing, but for some reason, her father refused to answer her desperate cries. For the rest of the night, the frightened girl cowered in a corner of the hallway, helplessly listening to the ceaseless ringing of the doorbell. It seemed to go on for hours. Eventually, she fell into an uneasy sleep. At dawn, she woke up and realized that everything was quiet. She crept over to the door and looked through the peephole again. Her father was still there, staring at her. She cautiously opened the door and was confronted with a sight that filled her with unimaginable horror. Her father's severed head was hanging from a nail above the door. There was a note attached to the doorbell. In crude, scrawled handwriting, much like that of a madman, it read, Clever girl. That was a scary story. Really enjoyable, but very frightening and nightmarish. Next time you hear a ring, ring, and you look through the peephole of your door and see a face staring and motionless, you might want to be a little careful before you open that door. For the madman may just be at your doorstep next.
<laughs> and that is our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, be sure to check out myhaunteddolls.com. Check out the books I have available for purchase. You can get your autographed copy today. Follow the link to my YouTube page where you can like and subscribe and watch videos of evidence I've captured over the years and some of the stories behind my haunted dolls and items. Enjoy yourself. Keep sharing these scary stories with each other, giving each other nice chills of entertainment. And until the next time, have a happy haunting. Ha <laughs> ha